Welcome back to Apartmentalize 2022, the live Apartment Academy podcast. Next up on the podcast today, Abby Huffman, CIG Communities. Hi, Abby. Hi, how are Thanks you? Thanks for joining us, Thank taking you. time out of a very busy show to talk with us a little bit. Excited to be here. Um, thank you. Abby, you, um, I, I would say, have an unusual path to the operator side. You spent so much time on the vendor side. Tell us a little bit about yourself mm-hmm. first as context. And we'll talk about what that what that difference is, like different paths within the apartment multifamily world sure. You know, for, for professionals. Absolutely. So, Abby Huffman, I'm with CIG Communities, and we're headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio. We own, develop, and manage communities throughout the Midwest, the South east and uh, mid-Atlantic. And we currently have around 1,200 apartment homes that we're managing, but certainly looking to grow that, um, hopefully significantly. So my background, it is kind of unique. I spent the first seven years of my career in um, an operations side. So I worked for um, another management company. And then in 2013, I switched to the supplier side of the business. So I spent seven years there um, in property management technology. Um, And I would say so far, I've had an incredible career. This is such a amazing industry with a lot of opportunities. Um, and then just last year, um, it, it made sense for me where I am in my life and what I'm looking for and what I'm really passionate about to go back to the operations side. So I found my new home at CIG Communities and it's been a lot of fun. What is it about being back on the operations side that appeals to you? Everything in a way. Um, I mean, there's so many there's so many aspects to what we do that I really truly enjoy. But I would say when you think about the biggest differences, um, is you know we are solving problems that have to be solved immediately when you're on site. Um, and not that suppliers don't have that same experience, but where I was, um, you know, we were solving problems as well. But it took a little bit longer um, to get those implemented um, for our clients. Whereas when you're managing someone's home and um, or someone looking for a new place to live that's a very crucial time in their life usually something major has happened maybe they are starting a new job or their relationship status has changed or you know they're moving out of home for the for their parents house so it's just such a major time in people's lives and there's so many things that could happen and it's so important that we take great care of them and immediately um, as soon as possible and I just like that I like solving problems very quickly that's on on the site level and that uh, what we call the home office level you know, they're so dependent. If it's something, a decision that can't be made immediately by them, like it, it's urgent. Like we have to get to that immediately. And I, I just like that sense of urgency and executing quickly. I hear uh, so much enthusiasm in your voice sure. uh, talking about the challenges with residents. And, and oftentimes I talk about that as what makes this business hard mm-hmm. and why, uh, why I think there are well, there's a number of reasons for this, but one of the reasons we have retention issues is the emotional toll mm-hmm. that being in this business can take on a person because you are sure. so embedded in their lives in a way. People are sure. getting divorced and they can't afford the rent. They have to come to you and you have to tell them you got to pay the rent. People mm-hmm. have the wrong breed of dog. You got to tell me. Tell me about how, how, what kind of mindset looks at that and says, this is, but I can help. And, and you know, why that was more appealing than being able to avoid all of that mess. Sure. Well, I think personally, and I would say so many people that I've met in this industry, I do have um, a degree in psychology, and oh, I found that I a lot of people that I meet, people person. Yes. In that well, way, you'll yes. you'll you'll start interacting with people certainly at a conference like this, and you'll ask them, you know, 
if you you know if they went to college or whatnot that what well what did you get your degree in and oftentimes it is in in something like that a social science and so so for me I wanted to help people and I would say most people in this industry I mean if you're going to be successful and, and and really love what you're doing you want you have to be able to want to help people so. It, it doesn't mean it's always easy and some people don't want to help themselves and that can be a real challenge but I think for our teams you know just encouraging them that you know to to understand and to listen you know it doesn't it's not always easy but at the end of the day this is someone's home and that's one of the most basic human needs as I shared with you you know is this a shelter and it's just really important that we keep that in mind no matter how stressful or elevated situations can get so plus you just meet so many people in yeah. this in this industry it's yeah amazing. that's true Let's talk more about the soft skills on sure. the operation side because what, sure. what I want you to do is yeah. I want you to contrast that to what your life was like on the vendor side okay. so that people listening, if they have a choice for sure. a career path, is they can decide which one of those things feels more like me. Sure. So talk a little bit more about the soft skills because they're so important mm -hmm. on the operation side. And then we can switch to what vendor life is like. So soft skills on, on the operation side? Yeah. Well, I think uh, – I mean – it's interesting. I think you you have to you have to be a people person. You don't necessarily have to be a people pleaser, but you have to to be able to to understand and to listen to people. Um, and that certainly isn't just from a resident experience. That certainly comes from as an employee employer. You you have to listen to your employees. Things are things are changing. There's a lot of evolution happening um, right now. So it's important that you listen to people. Um, I think just being supportive. Being positive, and that's not just in this industry. I think it's so important that we focus on what's going well. We've had a lot of things that haven't gone well, um, certainly in the past couple of years, but that's always going to be the case. So having just that positivity and um, staying, staying positive and just believing that things are going to work out might not look the way we thought it was going to look, but um, so those are things that I think are really important. How about dealing with confrontation? Dealing with confrontation, yeah. sure. Yeah, does Sandy train people on your team members on confrontation and how well, to deal with all this stuff? I think we we have a very tight knit team. We're a smaller organization right now, and we have very much open communication amongst our team members. So, yes, we absolutely talk to our team members. Um, we also do trainings that everyone takes. Um, but when it comes with de to dealing with either resident conflicts or employee conflicts it's important that we keep the lines of communication open um, but certainly also that you know we ensure that we have a good understanding of what's what's really driving the confrontation yeah yeah and and now let's contrast that with what was life what was life like for you on the vendor side and what what skills better serve somebody on that side of the world I had a lot of fun on that side of the business. I will say, so I went from operations to supplier, back to operations. So coming into a position that I had with the knowledge of what it's like to be on site and what those challenges are, I think when you have those sorts of skill sets um, and those experiences, certainly when you've, when you've been on site and you know what it's like when someone's trying to get into the leasing office, they're banging on the door, or there's a, you know, a serious emergency. Um, when you've had that sort of ex that experience and you can go to the supplier side, I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, but for, for someone who maybe doesn't have any industry experience, it doesn't mean you can't be really successful because you can, but you have to listen to your clients. You have to attend events like NAA, be a member of the National Apartment Association or your local affiliate, because 
it's so important that you educate yourself. You need to understand. I mean, there's there are things that are could impact you, whether it's fair housing or certainly legislation that's taking place constantly. You need to be in the know. And the way that people can educate themselves is by joining an apartment association. Um, additionally, you get the ability to network with others. Yeah. So I think it's it's important. You don't necessarily have to be an extrovert like myself, but get definitely get out there and attend events, network as much as you can. Oftentimes I found as a supplier, you know, you can you can cold call, you can network as much as you want and try to get in front of the decision makers, but sometimes and I would say actually a lot of times it's your supplier friends. They already have the relationships. We're all calling, you know, you're all calling the same people. So why not, you know, ask for an introduction that way. So don't, don't ignore your, the, the suppliers in the industry. If you don't know people call on them too, and they'll help facilitate some really great introductions for you. So the, uh, the, I think the industry, and maybe this is what you were alluding to mm -hmm. sort of smells it on you. If you really don't know what you're talking about. Yes. And, uh, and that, that probably makes it hard. So getting out, getting the education, the experience and networking really probably critical to success. Absolutely. Assuming you're mostly on the sales side. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, no one expects a new salesperson who's never been in the industry to just get it or to understand, but you have to take the initiative to try to figure it out. So I, you know, whether it's, listening to, you know, your podcast, watching it, you know, get, get in the know and do as much as you can to really understand what are the challenges, what are your clients faced with and, and how can we help them? Sometimes, uh, folks in the industry are curious so on one side or the other. Um, they're wondering what, what sort of compensation looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, are you in any position to talk to like if on the, on the vendor side, like if you're mm -hmm. in sales and some capacity, mm -hmm. About what do you think those folks should expect to make on an annual basis? Well, I don't feel comfortable just stating a, any sort of range, certainly because I think it depends on where you are, what space you're in, your experience. Um, but I think there's a huge opportunity that if you if you want to have a very successful career, we'll say in sales, um, this is a great place to do that. Yeah. Um, certainly if you're building a lot of relationships, there's a huge opportunity there. and. Um, you know, I think our industry, since you're specifically asking about compensation, our industry is really looking at this. I mean, we, ha we yes. have to do more and, and probably all industries are. I spend most of my time in, in this one, so this is what I know. But I think it, we really do need to evaluate that because operators will lose people to, you know, going to the supplier side, but the same could be said the other way. So I think it's important that um, we're always evaluating and making sure that we're, we're taking care of people and, and doing what we can to to not lose them. Compensation's a pretty good way to do that. Yeah. I think I think what people often get attracted to when they think about the vendor side is I think I'm, I'm at least I'm comfortable saying, sure. hey, it is not unusual mm -hmm. for for folks on the vendor side who are in the sales uh, capacity to make two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars or more. That sure. happens for yeah. sure. Rarely happens on the operations side mm -hmm. unless you're at a you know a regional above level, right? Mm -hmm. But what people forget about, I think, sure. is that if you don't perform on the vendor side, then mm -hmm. you're out of a job. Yeah. Whereas you might you might not have the earning capacity on the operations side, mm -hmm. but there's so much more forgiveness. There's so much more um, willingness to give you time to learn and do better and improve in training. Mm -hmm. um, you can make mistakes. You have the freedom to make mistakes. Sure. Well, I think the other thing is when we think about compensation, it's not just, you know, what, what does my paycheck look like? There's so, there's so much more and time to me is 
the the number one thing that that's the, the only thing that you can't get back so how, what does your time look like and how how does your company and how does your culture allow for people to, to to do their jobs and to get their jobs done but also have have time with their family with their friends with the hobbies that they enjoy I think that's that's really important um, as a company we're definitely taking a look at you know flexible ways to to make sure that our our team is finding work-life balance and you know that's something that everybody talks about but like what are you actually doing about that so we we have a lot of really fun you know holidays that our team gets and sometimes it's just random all of a sudden you know the president of our company he sends out an email and everyone gets a day off I mean those are really fun things that can can offer a, a lot to someone so it's not just about the, the the paycheck that they're getting there's more and there's so many other areas that you can compensate people it's not just about um, the dollars always yeah well and I think I think it's not a stretch for me to say that part of the compensation for you on the operation side is the emotional satisfaction you get from helping people a hundred percent yeah yeah which it's hard to feel that Mm -hmm. on the on the vendor side in the same way. I mean, you get some of it. Mm -hmm. I, you, your clients, you know, speaking of somebody who's on the vendor side, you love to see clients mm -hmm. embracing your product, but, sure. but um, it's not it's not their life the way that somebody's home is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's very true. So talk a little bit about the more about the culture at CIG. What what do you do to ensure that work-life balance? Because that's often that can sure. be a problem for some operations. Yeah. And we're certainly you know, no one no one's perfect and you know, some we're, it's not like we're not putting in long hours at times. I mean we've got a lot in the pipeline and we've got a lot of goals and initiatives that we're that we're working on that it, it's gonna take a lot of time. But um, you know, our culture, we are a family-owned business, and I would say that anytime you interact with a member of our team, you just get that vibe that, that we're, we're a family, we're in this together, we're going to help each other out, we lift each other up. If something's going on with someone in our team, whether we know exactly what that is or not, um, you know, what can we do to help you? And that comes from the top. And the, the founders and the, the president of our company, that's incredibly important to them. And it's just evident in the way that all of our employees are, are treated. Yeah, especially with the with um, smaller operating teams mm -hmm. like over at CIG, it's it's much more difficult to operate a company at that scale mm -hmm. than it is a large you know company with a hundred you know mm -hmm. properties across the country sure. because you don't have the same middle management to support it. Like so, everyone has to wear a lot of different lot. hats. Um, we were talking a little bit before about the technology that you guys are looking to put in place to help uh, sort of, I don't know, bolster mm -hmm. the team so yes. that you can be successful as you are scaling. Absolutely. But be successful right away. So talk a little bit about what's the right tech stack for a growing company, do you think? Well, I think it depends on what your company's goals are, what you're looking to accomplish. Um, definitely paying attention to the, what type of assets you're managing and certainly the needs of your team. Uh -huh. But from from our perspective, you know, I'm going to take a step back outside of tech. You know, we we built we build a solid team and then we want to build a solid tech stack. And it starts in the middle with your, I feel like your PMS and, yes. um, you know, what you're using there. But certainly, you know, we've implemented so many different pieces of technology, we, we've moved on with Blue Moon leases, um, NAA Click and Comply. There's so many different pieces that we've implemented, but it does need to. It's important that they speak to your property management software, um, 
and we want it to be as seamless a process as possible for not only our, our residents, but certainly our employees. Um, there's so many different systems that everyone's logging into, and we just feel like that's one of the first questions that we're going to ask. Does it integrate with our property management software? Um, yeah. and, and if it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have that conversation, but um, we will really evaluate if that's going to make sense or not. So we've got a lot of different things that we've, we've rolled out. We, you know, revenue optimization, yeah, a new, course. new leases, um, you know, vir virtual tours. I mean, you name it. There's, there's so much out there, but we're, we're certainly evaluating all of them. Is there anything, uh, I, I know we need to get back, let you get back to the show, but is there mm -hmm. anything um, that you're evaluating right now that's on the horizon that you're interested in? Maybe you haven't adopted it yet, but it's like, you think that's where the industry's going. I don't know that I would say this is where the industry's going, but something that has really caught my eye recently are just the, um, they're like kiosks where people can can rent all different types of items. So oh. maybe you need a basketball for the day. Maybe you don't, you need a, oh, my vacuum cleaner doesn't work anymore. I, others, I can go rent that Dyson downstairs. So I think that stuff like that is, is really cool. And, and providing those items for things like that, resources like that for your residents that just makes it easier for them. They don't have to leave the community to get what they need. Um, so I, I don't know if that's where the industry is going, but I'd like to see more ways to just keep our residents in our community or at least, you know, make them feel like we have what they need. Here. I love that suggestion. Yeah. I think that's, I, that's the suggestion of the day. Okay. I, we, we need some kind of alert when that happens, but if we had it, that would now be all lit up is the yeah. suggestion of the day. Got well, it. thank you for joining us on Thanks the apartment Academy podcast. I appreciate it. And, um, good luck with the show and I hope you find some cool stuff. Thank you. I appreciate it.